are listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone out there, welcome once again to a brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. This is your host, Sonny, this time along with the talented Molly Rennick. Uh, thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Now, Molly, like I said earlier, this is an exciting time of the year for you and the rest of the guys over at Living Dead Girl with the release of your debut studio album, Exorcism, drops uh, June 11th. Now, first things first, I'm going to commend you guys on all the well-deserved reactions this has been getting so far especially with those singles Escape, Alive, and the title track Exorcism. Uh, shout out to the other publications like Revolver and Outburn, who've praised your work so far. And I think you're getting local airplay in the local uh, the radio stations around there too, right? Like near yeah, Toronto? Yeah, yeah that, that's oh, great. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, there's just plenty of awesome things to unravel about this album. But before we get to all that and beyond, I know we talked about it before the interview started. I'm going to ask a very simple question to start things off. It's maybe a tough one considering what's been happening in our lives as of late. Uh, how are you? I think that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that was like, you know, kind of like in, the, in our DNA to ask something like that back in the day. But now it's like, it's really important. How are you, Molly? How's life in Toronto right now? I am holding on. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I, it's, it's such an emotional mix right now because it's like, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what's the point? Like, I can't even leave my house. Like, oh, this man. is so depressing. Like, everything sucks. And then I'm like, my debut album's coming out soon. So it's like, I'm super <laughs> excited and happy. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, this is rock bottom. This is it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm feeling like such an extreme amount of highs and lows at the same time. And I'm just trying to stay really positive and staying focused on the exciting things and not trying to let the, the lockdown stuff ruin the excitement for me. Yeah. What about your vocals? How are you keeping up your vocals these days? You know, because life as of late, many of us have also been away from, you know, we've been away from the stage, stage a lot, you know, fans and musicians alike, you know, has anything, I don't know, changed for you routine wise lately, if at all? I'm actually still practicing a lot at home. Like, as you can see behind me, I have yeah, a music yeah. room in my house, so I have the ability to record at home. So I've been recording some covers. I haven't in the past like month or two though, because I've been kind of busier, but I've still been like recording covers. We've still had band practices just to keep, keep on our game and make sure we still sound really tight and don't forget how to play our own music. <laughs> uh, so we're still having band practices, still recording. I'm just trying to like have a routine of it. I'm like trying to make sure I'm like make time for singing, make time for practicing, make time for this and I was this and that and everything. It's really hard to, but I'm trying to keep it in my day-to-day -day routine in one way or another. <laughs> I remember when the pandemic first hit, I don't know if it was the same way for you. Like the first two months, I remember I was thinking to myself, wow, I can actually catch up on all the stuff that I didn't work on, you know, cause I was home. And then after, yeah. you know, the third month went by and the fourth month and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I gotta, I can't keep doing this. I have to find a way to be productive, especially, you know, with people like us in this industry, it's, it's, it's challenging considering we're not meant to be stuck at home. We're meant to go out there and just experience, you know, everything else in between. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't know. Did you feel the same way? Like, it's like, uh, you I got did. to catch up on a lot of things and then now what? Yeah. The first like month I was like exercising, baking, painting, walking my dog. Like, <laughs> I was baking today. too. Yeah. I, didn't, I never bake. I bake cookies for crying out loud. I never done that before in my life. And I did it. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, all right, time to make like my 10th loaf of banana bread because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> And then so I bought recording equipment and everything just to like, I bought like my, all my, like my microphone and everything during the lockdown because it's like, well, I've got this time now. I might as well start making YouTube covers since I'm just sitting yeah. at home, but I was only off work total for like three weeks and then I went back to working full time. So like, I didn't have that much downtime, but 
Right, right. I'm traveling now. I do have a bit more time. No, now uh, something I do want to do is, uh, you know, I want to wind the clock back just a little bit, maybe to just a several years back to 2017, kind of where it all started. And because for listeners and fans who may not know Molly, you technically have been working on this record for four years to the point where uh, I remember reading something like you kept scrapping entire EPs over that time span. You know, if, if you could just briefly like shed some more light about that moment in your life that led to the forming of you know, the official Living Dead Girl lineup with you, you know, John, Jordan and Ryan, it's a, what you guys are today. I mean, does it feel like everything also went by in a blink at the same time? It does. But at the same time, I feel like I've been doing it forever since I started the band when I was like 15 years old and I'm now 22 and we haven't even put out an album until now. So it's like, that's a long time to have not released an album. And it's just so weird to me because I've now actually been sitting on the album for a while. Like I recorded the first three songs in 2019 and then the rest of it in early 2020. So it's like, I've been listening to the music and it's been done for a long time, but having not released it yet feels really weird. Like, I feel like it has been a long time. Like I've been writing and recording and now just like sitting on the music for so long. Like I feel like, like mentally I'm already writing our third album. Like I'm already past the first one. Um, But there was, yeah, it took a, it was a journey. (laughs) We had so many different member changes just because we live in like a small town about an hour from Toronto, it's really hard to find musicians because a lot of the time people that we could find are people that just want to like play music just for fun and nothing wrong with that, of course. But like, I was very, very driven, like, okay, no, we're going to tour. We're going to make albums. We're going to like, this is going to be our job kind of thing. So it took me a long time to find the right group of people. And then after that, once I had the right group of people, it's like, okay, now what? Like, I didn't know what to do. We didn't have a label. We didn't have anything. I mean, I say didn't in past term. I mean, we still don't, we're still independent. But I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. So I was recording things with like local producers and everything. And like, that was all great experience, obviously, like being in a studio and learning how to record and everything like that experience is so valuable. It's priceless. But once we like went to record our album with Mitchell Marlowe in Los Angeles, it was like, okay, this time it's for real. The other time was building experience and getting the practice and I'm like but this time it's real this time it's happening yeah and I do want to talk about Mitchell in in, in a few minutes here and but you know uh, I wonder if there's like that that comfort level that you had getting the band members in like did you guys have the same influences like as far as the music you grew up with you know as far as like finding the members I'm sure I'm sure it was, it was a difficult process was it an easy process like how did you know that okay you you're gonna do this you're gonna do this like we were a unit now this is what we're gonna do I guess like all comes down to when we're all in a room together and like what we're talking about, what we're doing. And I don't want to sound bossy, but I mean, like who (laughs) followed my directions well. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Yeah. Like who, who actually like listens and wants to work together. And like, you can, you can just tell once you have the right group of people, like we like the current group, like me, Jordan, John and Ryan, it's like, like when we're all working together, it's just like, this feels right. Like we all get along. We're all friends. Yeah. When we're filming music videos together for like a 12 hour day, like there's like no bickering or tension or anything. It's just like, you know, you have the right group of people just based off like the vibes of the room. You know what I mean? Like there were so many times where I had a band practice and I was like, okay, this person is driving me insane, but I need a guitarist. So I guess I'll just put up with it for a bit. But like, yeah, once, once we all clicked, I just like knew I was like, all right, this is this is like my squad now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's important to have. I don't know. I, I don't want to say. Well, I think it's important to have that struggle. Sometimes you kind of you kind of get opens up your perspective a little bit more on how you want to approach things, especially when it comes yeah. to writing music. Now, 
you know, you have been at this. I mean, I said 2017, but I don't know you guys, you've, had, you've been at this longer since that. You're talking about yeah. starting up when you're 15. But I also want to ask, you know, how was the, you know, the touring life, the live music experience for you personally, you know, as a fan, as an artist, and you've done some touring. I know you have done that. And we're all kind of just itching to get back out there. And at the same time, we've all been forced to take an unexpected step back. And does it make you, Molly, you know, have an appreciation, like a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because, you know, we can talk about how amazing the food is when you're on the road, you know, the culture, you know, the fans, so many things to pick apart about what makes touring amazing. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Now that we're over a year removed from that experience, pretty much. We've never actually done like a big tour yet. We were planning on our first one in 2020. And of course that was room, but we've just done like little runs around Ontario and around like the GTA and everything like the Toronto area. But honestly, like I miss it so much. Like I'm just thinking like you're exhausted, your neck hurts, all you've eaten for three days straight is pizza and your throat, like your throat's like tired and everything. And I'm like, it sounds bad on paper, but like when you love doing it so much, it's like the best thing in the world. Like even after like something like our music video shoots and stuff, I'm like, I feel like I broke my neck. I'm exhausted. I had way too much coffee. I feel like I'm dying. And I'm like, but I wouldn't trade this for the world. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like little things start to really stand out as, as you recall that experience. I remember, I mean, I don't know what was, what was it like for you, but I was at a show, you know, if not every day, every week before oh, yeah. the shutdown I happened. A lot of shows. Um, and, and of course now I can't believe, I shouldn't be used to this. Like we shouldn't be used to this, you know, like we, we no. need to get out there and, and uh, you know, be in that atmosphere and a very common subject on interview under fire that we've been talking about for the last year. And maybe we've been, we'll be talking about it for a long time is you've seen it and you've done it live streaming. A lot of the bands, what they do on stage, they're taking it to the screen. Like we're doing right now, obviously these interviews will be in person, but um, you know, we've had bands, on the show, like August Burns Red and Lamb of God, like a handful of them, they talked about their experience on Corn Did One. Corn Did One uh, last week, actually, um, and they talked about their experience on selling virtual tickets to the fans, right? And they would stream a show or pre-record a show, however it would be convenient for um, the the concert attender, so to speak. But you're talking about your touring experience, Paul. You're talking about the artists that you met, collaborated with, the venues you played at, however many that may be. I wanted to get your take on this because I don't think there's no wrong answer to this. Uh, you know, do you think that the rise of the quarantine induced live streaming we're seeing right now from all these artists, I mean, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your perspective? Like, has it already been affected? Like, do you still see bands doing something like this even after all this is over? Hopefully soon. <laughs> I kind of hope it's not something that sticks personally. I don't love it. The only one that I actually <laughs> bought tickets and watched was Avril Lavigne's and it was the most disappointing thing I've ever paid for. <laughs> and that's coming as like a, like a diehard hardcore Avril Lavigne fan. I think yeah. she only played four songs and the rest was like commercials. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I've seen bands that I love doing them and I want to support them and I want to watch it, but either I'm usually like busy that day or something else is going on. Like I always usually have like a reason why I don't tune in, but I, like also deep down, like I don't feel excited about it. Like when I see mm. it, like when I see like them advertising them, I don't have any reaction to it. Whereas when I see like a tour announcement, like a real concert announcement, I don't care if it's a 10 hour drive away. I don't even know how I'm getting there. I just buy tickets and I'll figure out the rest later. Like I love concerts. Yeah. There's so many of them. I've, yeah, like I said, I've driven like 10 hours to go see bands. I like before I've flown to like New York city from Toronto, go see Emotional and white. And then I like, drove down to Pennsylvania to see them the next night and stuff. Like I love shows, love live music, but 
the things I love about live music include being there in person, like the energy and the crowd and right, just right. like whole experience. So I don't know, like personally, just my own opinion, whenever I see people advertising live stream shows, like if anything, I think it's kind of sad and depressing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, like I don't know. I want it, like I want to support bands. I want to watch them and stuff, but I hope I hope it's not something that sticks because it just feels really like really empty to me. Yeah, I've had I've had so many talented artists like yourself tell me that. Yeah, I would love to do live streaming. It still gives me a chance to engage with my fans. And, you know, there's some artists who say I'm not doing anything until this is over. And, you know, it, it, there's that really cool idea of moshing in your own room. Right. But how much can you do it for? You know, like you do the live streaming. Right. But then there's that creative barrier. Like, OK, now what? Like, how do we how do we top this? Like, you know, with with a live with a live show or an actual live show. You can top it. You can just add, you know, fire. <laughs> you can add whatever yeah. it is, like it, so many different props on, on a stage where. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you pointed out perfectly. You know what I did last summer? I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Metallica did that uh, live streaming for one weekend here in the, the States. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Dallas sold out completely. Luckily, a friend of mine had a ticket to the show. He's like, hey, you want to go uh, see Metallica? Keep in mind, this is my first ever uh, live experience with Metallica. If if I if you were to tell me like I would see Metallica for the first time during a pandemic, I would think you're outside your mind. You can't make this stuff up. But anyway, I get there, and it, it was great. It was a nice turnout. Like it felt like a show. You know, you get there, you park, and you see yeah. all these people. And this was like middle of August. I mean, I don't think we even had the vaccine at that time. But uh, but then you get there, and then you're in you're in your car, and then three days grace open. And what's the most popular thing we hear at a metal show? Right? Let me see those horns, and you see just like a sea of horns in the crowd and you feel that yeah. adrenaline rush. You feel those goosebumps. Instead, what do we get? Uh, uh, they said, uh, uh, Hey, let me hear you guys honk your horns. So if you roll your window down, you just hear cars honking in silence, just in the middle of the night. It felt so, uh, uh, the point I'm trying to make is that you said it perfectly. It made me miss that live experience even more. It felt, yeah, uh, yeah it was cool to be there, but I felt sad. I was like, man, it's not the same, dude. It's just not it's the same. Not. I'm telling my it's buddy right here. It's so void. Yeah. And like, and... Concerts too is like whenever I'm going to attend a concert, it's like I will spend the whole day like doing my makeup, picking outfits, picking yeah. like cool heels to wear and stuff. And then like when I was watching like the Avril Lavigne live stream, I was like in my pajamas <laughs> with like a glass of wine <laughs> in bed with my cats, and I was like, "This is not a night out. It's not the same thing." Oh man. Uh... Yeah, I can totally relate to that 100%. And uh, you talked about uh, uh, your cats. Uh, something I want to transition to is uh, you did that uh, festive virtual live acoustic performance back in December. I think that was yes. the last one you did, right? Uh, yeah, only one we did. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, how was that? I, I think it was, I, I also think it was really cool that the proceeds went to like local animal shelters. And I know, I think, I think your family has rescued like five cats and one dog. Maybe it's been updated since then, but you know, yeah, how, just, how, how, how important is something like that to you? Like knowing that you get a chance to do something helpful like that, especially during a pandemic. And uh, as an animal lover myself, I think we can totally relate to that. I love yeah. doing that. We actually, we played a, a real show like two weeks before the pandemic started last March for my birthday, where we yeah. raised $2,200 for our local animal shelter. So awesome. I wanted but yeah. that was awesome. I loved doing that. And then, so then when Christmas time came, like every year for my birthday, I always do a fundraiser for the animal shelter. And then last year during Christmas, I thought like the same thing. I was like, I just feel generous right now. Like, I, like it's Christmas time. Like this, this is something that makes me happy. It's something I care about doing. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that actually makes me feel really like fulfilled. It's like, I love helping animal shelters. 
because since I can't adopt every single one myself, unfortunately, I feel like the next love best thing to. I can do is <laughs> give the money. It's like, I'd love to have 40 cats, but I can't. So it's like the next best thing is I can give you some money to help with the vet bills and the food and everything. But so yeah, last year at Christmas time, I was just thinking like, I just want to do something nice. I want to do something that will feel good. And so we were just like brainstorming a bit like, okay, what can we do here? Um, so we had the idea to do a virtual Christmas show. It was kind of hard though, because we were like, I feel like most metal people hate Christmas music. I personally love it. I love, I love it. it. What are you talking about? I love it. I'm, I'm on a million. Okay, okay, we're we're two out of a million people, so we can attest to that at least. Yeah, like like a lot of people. It's the same. It's the kind of thing. Though people either like when you say do you like Christmas music, they either go, "Oh my god, I love it," or "No, I can't stand it. I hate it." So I was like, if we do a Christmas show, like I was like, we'll do some Living Dead Girl songs, some Christmas songs. We like mix the two together. Yeah. But it was really actually difficult to do because it was just John and myself. So it was like one guitar and two vocals or two vocalists, sorry. Um, and it was really hard to do because our music does not translate well to acoustic. Like maybe if you had like two acoustic guitars and an acoustic bass and like drums and everything, it could be easier. But like when we were trying to pick the set list, like John was just like screwing around on the guitar, like trying to do the riffs and stuff. And it's uh -huh. like, that doesn't sound right. Like <laughs> trying to strip the songs down. It didn't like only certain songs worked well. So we just did, like it was a very short set like I think we only played like five or six songs or something and that's we only charged like ten dollars for it and gave it all to the charity and stuff and then we did like merch giveaways and things like that um but yeah I don't I don't know if we would ever do an acoustic set again after that to be completely honest it was very different you remember what I said earlier about uh trying to be creative when it came to like doing the live performance that's that's outside the box I love that you did that you were able to make something great out of out of something great it's not it's not you know it's it's a not the situation we asked for staying at home and watching live shows but i think you guys really knocked it out of the park i'm not yeah. saying i'm not saying don't completely get away from the acoustic part because i think you guys do have something there i think you have to have that first show first and then maybe do something have, like if we had like the acoustic, like two maybe two acoustic guitars and the acoustic bass and maybe some drums like we could do like a more stripped down version yeah yeah but yeah. Like, just one guitar like it was not the same thing at all that's definitely something that uh, maybe think about it in your future now uh speaking of the near future let's talk about that debut album exorcism i know we talked about everything from head to toe Let's talk about the new album comes out June 11th, June 11th, right? Is that still the yes. set date for it? Okay. Now, if I may, Molly, let me just do a quick review. Cause I was, I, ever since you sent me that new music, that's all I've been listening to from start to finish. Um, <laughs> you were, I mean, I heard elements of, you know, rock, metal, industrial, goth, pop, and punk. You, you kind of checked off this mental list in my head, like pretty much everything I grew up with, like check, 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 you know? It was yeah. all over the place. And you said also that this album uh, like kind of exemplifies your personality. Like I I'm going to quote you. What does it say? Uh, one wears baby pink and Hello Kitty and listens to pop music. And the other, a goth girl in fishnet stockings who listens to dark heavy metal. I love another example is a combination of Marilyn Manson and Avril Lavigne. I know how much you love Avril Lavigne. And, I mean, there you have it. Like those those examples right there, you know, from songs like you know, alive and give up to poltergeist, which is my personal favorite to escape, to worship me. I mean, you had straight up, you know, anthemic headbangers, you had, uh, you know, choruses, you had melodies. I mean, as far as vocals, you went above and beyond with this, you know, and it also reminded me of Maria Brink of in this moment. I don't think we have enough of that vocal sounding and as far as like female in, in this music at all. And I'm glad you did that. I, I really love that. It took me back to bands like in this moment because i i listened in this moment way back like oh five oh four before that 
you know, if you're going to put out a debut record, I feel like you've accomplished that with this execution here. Um, anyway, yeah. I'll let you talk here now because I feel like I'll just keep going and going. But <laughs> walk, walk me through this, Molly, you know, considering that this process kind of lasted over a few years, how much did things change from when you first started, you know, composing on Exorcism uh, uh, to where you ended up finishing it? Was there already a specific sound you knew you had in mind with Exorcism? I honestly didn't know what I wanted uh-huh. <laughs> until I worked with Mitch. Like, I kind of, I kind of knew, like vaguely, like generally, what I wanted. Like, I, I had an idea, but I, I hadn't nailed it on the head yet. So I worked with a few different producers. I wrote with a few different people, and there was nothing wrong with any of the music that we made. Like the several EPs worth that I scrapped. There was nothing <laughs> wrong with any of it. Like, it do you still all... have those? Do you still have those EPs? I do, but my. My vocals have changed a lot. And <laughs> I, I found the original version of Exorcism that was recorded like four years ago. I found it in my Dropbox the other day and I showed it to my current band members because um, Ryan wasn't around with us at that time. I showed it to him and he just like looked at me and was like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> like, they're not even the same song. <laughs> but like my vocals changed a lot. Um, like my screams are pretty much the same, but my clean, st- yeah. clean vocal style changed a lot. But like at first our music was way heavier than it is now. Like it was more kind of like metalcore. It was more screaming than singing. There was barely any singing actually. It was mostly screaming. And I wanted to get away from that because I love screaming. I love heavy music. Don't get me wrong in any of that. But I was just finding our music wasn't fun enough. Like I was like, this isn't fun to perform. It's not fun to sing along to. I was like, there's just something in the energy that's missing here. Like every, every single song I wrote, I was like, there's something missing. And I didn't know what it was, but I just wasn't feeling any of it. So then when I went to work with Mitch and like, he was asking, who are your influences? What do you, what do you want it to sound like and stuff? And I was just like, honestly, I want to be Avril Lavigne, but heavy metal. <laughs> and I was that's like, a, I know that, that sounds weird. That's a good explanation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it sounds weird. Like when you hear that, it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and then I was like explaining to him, like to the song exorcism, I was like, I want it super heavy, like a really awesome riff, but I want there to be cheerleader vocals in it. And I remember I had told that to a few other people before I worked with Mitch. I kept saying, I want to be heavy, but then with like cheerleader chants and stuff. And I remember anytime I said something like that, people would just like look at me confused. Like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> when you just throw ideas out there like that, they sound, it sounds weird. Like I, I'm admitting that, like it sounded like I didn't know what I wanted. But like once Mitch and I started like actually putting it together and it started coming to life, I was like, like after like we'd done like one song, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, that's how it's supposed yeah. to I was like, it needs to be, I don't like to use the word poppy because I know that's off-putting to some metal people, but like, let's be honest, pop music when well-written is excellent. Like it that's is. why, that's why it gets stuck in your head. I even, I even, I even mentioned pop. Cause I, I mean, we, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. I grew up listening to those specific genres and, and I love yeah, what like, you did with this. It was, it was all over the place. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, yeah. I hate using the word pop when I'm talking about metal, just because I know a lot of like more of like the old school metal heads, like it's like a dirty word. It's like a bad word, but it's like, but like well-produced pop music is like what's catchy and what gets in your head and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was saying like to Mitch, I was like, the choruses need to be pop. Like they need to be catchy, great melody lines, big, big vocals, like chanting and all of that stuff. And then I was like, and then the verses need to be heavy. Like, yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than all over the place, but it's like, I listen to like Avril Lavigne, Pink, like if I'm in the right mood, like Britney Spears, like that kind of stuff. And then I was like, but in other moods, I listen to like emotional, some way, like Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Nine Inch Nails kind of thing. And I was like, I was having a tough time trying to choose between the two. I was like, I don't want to be a pop singer. Like that's not me. 
And I was like, but I don't want to just scream all the time because that's not fun. Like when we're playing shows and stuff, I'm like, I want to be able to like dance around. I want people to be able to sing along to it. So I, I just really needed to bring the two worlds together. And I feel like no one could nail that better than Mitch did. Yeah. And with this album, and uh, I'm glad you talked about Mitch, for people who don't know, Mitch Martel, he's known for his work with also Papa Roach and In This Moment, All That Remains, and that list goes on. Uh, you know, with Exorcism, it sounded so dynamic and sounded so polished. I'm kind of an audiophile these days. Like, uh, uh, I'm very picky on how I want my music to sound the way I want to listen to it, you know? I am too, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, between you and uh, John, Ryan, and Jordan, uh, I heard everything, by the way, like all the instruments. I mean, your vocals were perfect on par. Uh, I'm sure there was a sense of, you know, comfortability in the studio for you knowing that you had Mitch Marlowe working on that with you. And you also you worked with uh, Howie Weinberg, or was he just on the Alive music video that he mastered? Because I know he was also involved in this as well. He mastered the entire album for us. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure. Yeah. So revert back to my question. You know, it was a sense of comfortability for you knowing that you had Mitch and Howie working on Exorcism with you, right? Yeah. Like, I knew I was in good hands. Like, <laughs> I went there just like knowing whatever this music comes out to sound like. I know it's going to be amazing just because of who I'm working with. Yeah. And, you know, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like I just talked about, it, uh, something that... Uh, that came to me that I, and I was really excited to talk about this, the lyricism throughout exorcism. I began to think if there was a reason why you chose certain songs as singles before the lease, like if there was a theme to this, cause you have a song like alive, you know, uh, which the music video just dropped recently, which is amazing. And uh, it was, it's about controlling life rather than uh, uh, letting life control you. Then you have a song like the title track Exor exorcism, which is about being in a relationship where you, you know, discover, new parts of yourself and let all your evil, so to speak, come out. And then you have a song like Escape about leaving behind a place that was holding you back, you know, especially at a time like now, like those three songs, I, it really much, uh, it very much resonates with where we're at. So you know, how important are themes to you, Molly? Is, you know, and to what level do you like to have a theme for your music? If there was a theme to this at all? I think that is really important. Like before I even start writing a song, I start like brainstorming, like, okay, what is my message? Like hmm. at the end of the song, what do I want to convey? What am I trying to express? Um, every single thing that I write is always personal. I never, I'm not really the kind of person that just comes up with like a hypothetical situation and then writes about it. Like there's obviously no right or wrong way to write a song. And I know a lot of people do it that way. Like that's fine, obviously. But um, for myself personally, it always has to be something that I relate to because like, I'm not going to, you're not going to hear the same amount of emotion and energy and everything in my vocals. If I'm like, I could never sing music that I didn't write personally. Right. Like if someone else wrote my lyrics for me, you'd be able to tell in my vocal performance that I'm not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I can only really like passionately perform if it's something that like I'm really feeling. So I always make sure my songs are like something that like hits close to home for me. So like with all three singles and like alive exorcism and escape, all three of them are like, a life story of mine yeah um because it, i that, that's great because uh, you know I, I wonder if that theme is more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience because a lot of artists they don't really care about themes like you said they just do tank songs in the studio and that's it but uh so you do come up with a theme beforehand right or is it more like a go with the flow attitude or maybe just a bit of both i come up with it beforehand usually yeah like, i think of a specific situation and i'm like okay what happened how did it make me feel and what was the outcome like kind of thing like it's kind of like when i write a song i feel like i'm like writing a story yeah would it also be safe to say that you see exorcism as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back yeah i feel like 
And once I came up with the concept of exorcism, like once I thought of using like the word exorcism, like once I thought of using it like as a metaphor, I thought like, honestly, this whole album could be called that. I was like the whole idea of like, you know, obviously like in horror movies, like what an exorcism is like, it's like a priest getting like demons out of a person. I was like, that's a cool metaphor to use. Like whether it's music or relationship or art or like whatever it is that like you're doing, like the thought of like letting your demons out. I just thought that was such a cool concept. Like once I came up with it, I became like obsessed with the idea of it. And I was like, I feel like that represents the entire album and represents us as like an artist and everything. So I felt like it was just really fitting for the entire collection of songs to be called exorcism. You know, from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in and which we've discussed about so far and uh, whether it's performing for as long as you have and the people you have met and worked with during this one hell of a debut album, pun intended. And uh, it sounds like you still have much left to put out there, you know, with Living Dead Girls artistic vision and yours. You know, this is definitely something that you have a passion for. And uh, I feel like you've experienced plenty already. You know, have your aspirations as a person, Molly, or or even as a musician, have they changed or evolved since when you first started putting your foot and the door in this insane industry like do you see things differently today oh yeah i've definitely gained a lot of experience over the past few years and really matured a lot since obviously i started like working on music when i was like 15 and down 22 like a lot has changed in that time period um but now more than anything with music like all i want to do is just like express myself and i love when people relate to it like the most important thing for me is like like letting all my thoughts and feelings out and getting like the energy back from the audience. Like when people yeah. message me, like, Oh my God, your new single escape is exactly how I feel right now. I relate so much and stuff like that is like jackpot for me. Like that is gold to me <laughs> is people telling me like, I relate. I feel the same way. This song is important to me. It means a lot to me. Like I'm just like an overly sappy, emotional person. I don't know if yeah. that's because I'm a these or what but apparently it is it's totally okay (laughs) (laughs) but like I love using like art for that like so I love like both giving it and getting it back yeah I think it's also sometimes it's important to kind of just uh, push everything like back and just look at it from the outside because the more successful you are you kind of lose track of yourself I, I don't know if I'm speaking for a lot of people here but but you know I sense that too myself like the more successful you are you kind of just you got to remember why you do what you do. And before you, mm. you know, go back in and look at yourself first. And then, I don't know, I, am, I, am I making sense at all? <laughs> you no, know, you're, yeah, you are. <laughs> you're good. You know, and another thing is, you know, uh, as you were talking about everything you've been through, you know, being young and being a woman in a genre where the male entity is still dominant in the hard rock and heavy metal genre. And of course, it, we are seeing more and more, you know, younger female musicians, you know, coming to the forefront, which is, I love that. You know, what advice would you have for someone wanting to follow in that direction or even your direction? Like for like female artists specifically? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, being a female artist is very difficult. Like you said, it is a very male dominated industry, but I think as long as you're really confident and you know your worth and you don't let anyone take advantage of any of that or try to change or anything, like as long as you stay really headstrong and really driven, it's actually not that bad. Like I found at first, like I would get the, oh, we already have a girl or, oh, we're not looking for a girl or, oh yeah, but well, is the singer a girl? Like we kind of had that when we first started, but I'm finding now as we've become even like a little bit more established than we were back then or whatever, like people, like we don't really get that as much. Like if you stay really true to what you're doing and you're 
nailing it and you're killing it and stuff like you kind of lose that stigma if that makes sense yeah, like, yeah. i remember people would like i remember we played our very first show ever was a 90s night at a local bar they were picking different local bands to channel a 90s band and just cover them so our entire set was marilyn manson so when we were asked to do that i remember at the time the guy who was running it said he proposed to the bar okay so one of the artists from the 90s we're going to do is marilyn manson and there's this female fronted band that and like he said like the guy was like no 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 like female fronted but it's marilyn Manson. like how is a girl going to sing like that and he was like no she can sing like that like just give it a chance and stuff and then i remember after the show people saying like okay i did not expect you to be able to sing like that just because you're a girl things like that like there's a lot of when you're new and people haven't heard you yet and you haven't proven yourself you kind of do get looked down on i find as a female artist like people are like well how good is it going to be like it's a girl screaming like it's not going to be as good as a guy screaming like you kind of you get a lot of that at first but once once you've like really proven yourself and stuff that kind of simmers down like now i have people who like comment on my video stuff like okay this is a girl screaming and she sounds more intimidating than most men i know like this is like you just really have to stay don't get discouraged like stay really driven and really prove yeah. yourself more i find as a female artist and for the record uh you are a beast on this album and, uh, i don't <laughs> thank even know, you i don't even know if that even uh justifies uh how you sound because i really hope i hope you keep continuing to do what you do because you're knocking it out of the park and i mean I'm, i've listened to bands like i mean cannibal corpse i've been doing it for years obviously but man you're up there <laughs> i'm being very so. biased here but I've, I've listened to a lot of music in my time and I really like what you're doing with this. It's a great direction you're going in. Also you something so that also something that comes to mind, you know, um, if you weren't a musician, does that ever cross your mind? What would you be doing right now instead? I have thought of that before. I've kind of wondered, I'm like in another life, like what would I be doing? Hmm. And it's kind of a weird, scary thought because it's like, whoa, music like, this is my entire life. Like if I didn't have this, like I wouldn't have a life. <laughs> but I think if I wasn't a musician, I think I'd probably work with animals in one way or another. Like, I love watching this, like, there's, like, this documentary on Disney Plus about, like, the zookeepers at the Animal Kingdom Park in Disney World stuff. And I'm, like, I feel like in another life I could be doing that. Like, I think I've seen that, I actually. I have Disney Plus. <laughs> I think yeah, I have seen that. Like, I, I don't know about being, like, a vet because I don't like medical stuff. But, like, when I'm watching, like, the zookeepers and, like, the people that work at the sanctuaries with them and stuff, I'm, like, I feel like I could be doing that. Also, maybe working in, like, marketing or publishing or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But. It's a weird thought because it's like my entire life revolves around music. So to think of like that not being there is just like kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I like asking that question because I come from a musical background. You know, I started off engineering for crying out loud. And then I, you know, uh, both of my brothers are drummers. My mom's a professional singer. And, you know, and yeah, so so I grew up playing bass and violin. And then and I was like, eh, it was kind of hobby. But then it, it's kind of like you just you knew like it. It's like it was meant to be. You found a way to get back into what what got you. What is it started in the first place? Does that make sense? So, yeah, um, it's all. It's a really interesting thing because it really expands someone like you. Like you get to see like what else you know uh, helps you put your creativity in your music. Like you know outside of music. So I think that's always interesting. Um, yeah, Molly, this has been such an honor. I didn't. I can't believe it's already been like forty minutes. But a really cool oh, thing I, awesome. I like to do. A really cool thing I like to do. I like asking this question at the end to finish things off. It's kind of a fun question. But since we're talking kind of briefly touched on, I don't know, like movies and cinematic, like horror stuff. I sometimes I ask my artists, like, what are your five favorite albums? But what are your five favorite movies that you can think of at the top of your head? That maybe can you do you have one? 
or do you have any that you're watching right now or that's just you can put out there all-time favorite movie is the little mermaid oh that's <laughs> awesome i love that i love that <laughs> like i watched it like religiously i watched it while i was doing my makeup for this interview actually i love I how just, you like, didn't even hesitate like... you just you just immediately just said little mermaid <laughs> yeah i have like one of those like little tvs that's like a little box from the 90s that has yeah. the chess player like attached to it or the vcr rather it's, yeah like, that's yeah movie. the cathode ray tvs that you like Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. I have a right at my makeup table. So I sit there and watch old Disney VHS like while I get ready. <laughs> That's awesome. The number one is Little Mermaid. And I can't even think of four others because all I do is watch Little Mermaid. <laughs> I think that's okay. That counts. <laughs> that's my answer. Um, I love Perks of Being a Wallflower. That movie's excellent too. Oh, that's a great movie. I love the Conjuring series, particularly Annabelle Creation. That movie's awesome. Oh my gosh. I don't think I slept for a month after watching was it the first conjuring that came out yeah it was the yeah. first one my ex made me watch it with her and i'm like oh my god why are you doing this and it was in the dark room like in the theater i'm i, I yeah. can't i don't know why i can't do like horror movies like that but then i love movies like uh 28 days later for example you know and that's a whole different yeah. that's like a zombie movie but anyway go ahead <laughs> that's that's three I, right I, I think i'm like i don't really like categories like my it totally depends on mood i'm in because my favorite thing in the world is cartoons I like, I'm the kind of person, like I have ADHD and a bad attention span. Like normally when I watch a live action movie, I'm the person that sits there within five minutes and looking at my boyfriend and I'm like, who's that? What, who is that? What are they doing? Where are they going? And he's just like, he's like, I know about as much about it as you do. We've been watching this for five minutes. What like, about, I cannot pay attention. I ask yeah, so many yeah. questions. <laughs> what about, what about uh, other stuff that you're watching right now? Apparently that, I don't know. You recommend I watch a lot of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> oh, that's a great show. Oh my gosh. And that Dead counts. to Me on Netflix. Dead to Me on Netflix is like my favorite show. Oh, you know, I just interviewed uh, Caliban uh, just like two weeks ago. Their song is actually featured in one of the episodes. Did you, did you know that? She goes in her car and starts Yeah, yeah that was the one. That was the one. I yeah. was wondering what fan that was because I watched the whole series through twice and I was like, that song is really good. I wonder who that is. Yeah, that's Caliban. <laughs> They're from Germany. They're releasing a, a new album and actually in like in a week, I think. Um, and then oh, another new album later this year. I, I, I highly recommend them. Uh, I just, yeah, that, uh, I think that episode should go live for us like in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I spoke to them a couple of weeks ago. Great guys. Absolutely great guys. They've been at this for their 25th anniversaries coming out. But anyway, yeah. Oh, so wow. It's very ironic you even call that out, actually. Dead to Me. That's a great show. Yeah, that and, show's uh, excellent. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, Molly, again, this has been an honor. Do you have any, I don't know, last words, any shout outs, anything? You would like to plug in as far as Living Dead Girl or Exorcism before we finish things off here? A new music video, maybe, or maybe a live streaming? I don't know what you can and cannot say. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we just released a music video last week, but we do have another one coming out before the album release as well. So we filmed two videos within two weeks of each other. So okay, the live awesome. one was just the first one. <laughs> All right. And everyone who's listening, yeah, uh, definitely. It's, it's always nice to have things like that to look forward to. So I, I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really excited about this. Everyone who's listening, this is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl. Please, please, if you could do me a favor and her a favor, buy the album because the artist can't do it without your help. It's a simple request, yeah, but it's a big one. I mean, I mean, I still buy records in the corner of uh, the opposite corner of my room. I'm, I'm still buying records today. So um, I, I just like having, I'm still old fashioned that way. I still like having the hard copy with me. <laughs> me too. Um, I, I need a physical copy. <laughs> and Exorcism comes out June 11th. It releases independently. And don't forget, you can listen to this podcast and interview on any major streams out there. It'll be on YouTube as well. Check us out on interviewonfire.com. Uh, Molly, do me a favor. Stick around for 30 seconds after the interview. I want to tell you something really funny. Um, 
Uh, thank you so much again, Molly. Uh, you be safe out there in Canada. And I look forward to the day for that you come to the States here in Dallas. And uh, we can talk about, hey, remember when we did that interview during the pandemic? And uh, anyway, that's <laughs> something else to look forward to. But uh, anyway, you stay safe out there, Molly, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.